Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector, and with me, as usual, is our good friend, Rob Hirschfeld. Good morning, Rob. Hello, Stephen. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, Rob, um, it is uh, a few days before VMworld. I think this will probably go out after VMworld. So, uh, we won't promote that we're at VMworld, but I look forward to seeing uh, you in San Francisco next I haven't, I haven't checked our, uh, I haven't checked the weather. Hopefully, San Francisco is cooler. Um, I would, I would count on that. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping so. But uh, today we have uh, three guests from CalSoft. Uh, we've had CalSoft on before, and they're doing some interesting work in uh, Edge and 5G. And so let me go ahead and introduce the three guests. And uh, gentlemen, I am doing my best on the names. And I apologize if I get them uh, wrong, but I'm, I think I'm going to be close enough. We have uh, Pavan Gupta, Hiran Devekar, and Umang Rajvanashi. And I, I think I did pretty good, guys. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, if we can, maybe one of you guys can just do a quick uh, introduction of who the three of you are, and then we can uh, jump into the conversation. Uh, sure, maybe I'll, I'll take that. So uh, my name is Kiran Divekar. Uh, we worked at CalSoft uh, mainly on the, the networking technologies like uh, the SDN, NFV, the 5G technologies, uh, complete MANO architecture, uh, the edge computing and related technologies. Uh, Pavan Gupta is a colleague of mine. Uh, he's a senior architect at CalSoft. He heads, in fact, the 5G deployment. Uh, he works with uh, various uh, service providers, uh, customers, as well as he works with open source bodies like OPNFV, uh, Crino, Edge Computing, uh, ONAP, and so on. And I have Uman, who is another colleague of mine uh, who works from the marketing team. Uh, he takes care of all the uh, discussions and takes care of basically the uh, telco markets, he analyzes all the telco markets, how the t new things are coming up, how CalSoft is going to basically adhere to all these new technologies. Interesting. Okay. And which, is is there some new technologies that you're tracking is especially interesting right now? Uh, yeah. So when related to networking, uh, we basically work on variety of technologies like uh, uh, SDN, uh, starting from the data plane, control plane, uh, the virtual networking for things, white box switches, uh, the the cords hardware, so everything on that front, uh, programming ASICs, programming the low level forwarding planes. So that's from the SDN, how network slicing is going to work, how network visibility, how network security works. So most of the aspects of the networking covering the 5G telco technologies, uh, we take care of the complete MANO architecture. Uh, starting from the NFVI layer, which is the infrastructure layer, we also work on uh, VNF validations, VNF testing, VNF deployments, performance benchmarking of VNFs. Okay, so all the work led to VNF, and as well as the highest layer of the management, where we talk about the VNF managers, VNF orchestrators, things like uh, Cloudify or even built-in homegrown Cloudify uh, like. Uh, orchestrators that we have built in. So we also take care of that. Uh, another interesting thing that I can talk about is even the container technology. Uh, we have deep, uh, we have done a lot of work in that area, right from container networking to building container based VNFs and testing them, uh, verifying them and putting them, 
to the level of uh, of lifecycle management and performance validation. Wow! All right, that is a long list, and there's a lot of lot of complex topics to deconstruct. So, Gibson's <laughs> quite a, li- uh, a list, and for listeners. Um, these are all really interesting topics, and so um, we'd love to hear people, you know, chime in with what with what things that they they find interesting. Because we're we're just going to scratch the surface, I suspect. Uh, can 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 we start? Um, boy, and I, now I have a page of notes. Um, can we start with the container uh, networking? The 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 what I've heard called CNF, although it, you were you were sort of describing it still as VNF. So virtual network function yes. is this idea that we're going to take things that were traditionally physical layer devices and move them into software. Um, and and uh, I've seen a lot, you know, there's a lot of interest in doing those in VMs. If we can do them in containers, it's even better. Containers networking is challenging. Can you, I'd love yes. to hear an update of what's going on in container VNF. Uh, sure. Uh, in fact, uh, the container technology has uh, given a lot of scope for putting things in a in an isolated kind of environment where containers have the software code that is sandboxed in an environment so it gives the advantage that uh, your code is confined to a container environment and you can do all the things it gives the aspects of uh, scalability where you can scale things even if a container goes down it can be brought up immediately in a in, in basically milliseconds of time where uh, things can be restored quickly those kind of advantage makes the container deployments pretty popular uh, but that adds the complexity of networking on top of that where we need to understand how things are going to communicate to each other a typical method is like a rest api based uh, deployments are used where a container solution can talk to another containers over uh, rest apis or uh, and mo- most of these basically use container networking functions uh, and solutions from a variety of container networking providers. Uh, we have, in fact, uh, worked on similar technologies related to uh, Calico projects, which gives container networking. That is one of the solutions. Uh, with container networking adds another complexity, which is basically container security. How do you compare the, uh, the communication between the containers that are talking to each other? You can have policies that can be defined. Uh, these are typically like a layer seven or application layer policies. So once you define your container networking, you can even define policies which can control the communication between the containers. And uh, just an example, like uh, this is not a 5G example, but uh, if you have two containers talking to each other, which are running like a Kafka kind of environment, where I can decide to to communicate between two Kafka containers over a topic. And I can write a policy rule where I can say that the Kafka topic XYZ is allowed between two containers while the Kafka topic ABC is not allowed to communicate between the two containers. So that kind of that kind of power is provided by the security policies, which can be applied by container network networking technologies. So that's where this gives an edge when you are going to. That's fine. You were, you were, you were talking about the Kafka. You were talking about about layer seven networking restrictions between two containers um, okay. which makes sense, which makes sense to me i i think that um is that would people consider that a classic vnf or is that more of a an application firewall or, or maybe they're the same thing from that perspective 
yeah it's mainly an application firewall because when you put things inside container uh, the container networking involves security policies and you always want to make sure that no i mean the container communication is controlled you can't have a haphazard communication between every container talking to each other and making a mess out of that so you need some kind of uh, a mechanism where you should be able to control that and that's where this container security policies come into picture so that that makes a lot of sense to me from a from controlling container communications i guess when i thought of vnf the the use cases i were hearing described were were more of a traditional net you know protecting a net, network communication um you know, in, in more traditional routing ways or more traditional firewall ways, or is that just not as important with containers? Yes, in fact, that is very important. Uh, that's where the container policies come into picture. Uh, in if you want to deploy these containers onto the VNF side of this, so VNFs are basically like virtual network functions, but if you deploy them into containers, they are typically called as a CNFs, which are container network functions. And there also you can define what kind of communication is allowed, what kind of services that are targeted for the 5G networking. Are they allowed to communicate with each other? Uh, are they allowed to chain with each other? All those policies can be defined and you can have continuous networking or the CNFs work inside the 5G, 5G deployments as well. So, so does that does that end up being a traditional network function where the traffic is routed through that container or are we looking at containers cnfs to have a different a different approach to how they provide networking security oh uh, yeah so, you, you know what i mean because because traditionally when we've looked at you know a, a network function we've assumed the traffic would route through that function before it egressed to or ingressed from the from the outside is a CNF still looking at it the same way? Is it their traditional network function from that perspective? No, so uh, in that sense, uh, CNFs are a little different. So um, the scale factor in uh, CNFs is, uh, can be higher. And, and given the, uh, uh, the number of containers that can exist uh, in, a, in an ecosystem, you, know, you need a different way to define the, the policies to uh, to allow communication between containers. So it's it's not really the classic um, network routing uh, that is applicable here, but it is about the uh, the policies between containers uh, to allow communication between them. Okay, that's really significant. And I think that's been a missing piece for how people manage container infrastructures. And and you haven't said the word Kubernetes yet. I mean, are you talking about containers generically or is there something specific about how Kubernetes would work? Oh uh, yeah, there is a gamut of uh, all these technologies which bind each other together. So Kubernetes is the orchestrator. So in fact, Kubernetes has given the edge to the containers and it is one of the de facto orchestrator that is used for management of containers. You can't manage the container as a single entity. Uh, typically, the way it gets managed is like uh, you manage these Kubernetes containers as like pods. You can deploy services. All the Kubernetes uh, terminologies comes into picture, and it gives you a very easy way of deploying and managing. Uh, so maybe one of the use cases that I can talk about is about scaling. Uh, so Kubernetes provides a very easy method of scaling. If you want a service to be scaled dynamically. There is a simple, simple configuration that helps you 
fix that problem. You can just specify that I want so many uh, replicas of a service and the moment one of the service goes down, the Kubernetes infrastructure or the Kubernetes orchestrator takes care of bringing up a new service in a fraction of a second and you have the number of replicas that you need. So Kubernetes is a de facto orchestrator. Not only uh, it takes care of the 5G as well as the telco markets, as well as even the application markets as well. That makes a lot of sense to me. The the when when people look at how this stuff works, does that um, you know I I'm trying to phrase my question the right way. When I've when I've talked to people who are trying to do edge infrastructure or smaller smaller and and they're trying to eliminate VMs, so they're saying, look, I'm just going to go straight to metal. Um, in a virtualized environment, you can you can use traditional virtualization networking to create isolation zones and then add the container, the CNF work that you're describing. But in an edge environment where you're trying to eliminate that, you might not have the VMs. Um, is it possible to just completely eliminate a virtualized uh, network function from the system and, and have use bare metal infrastructure and CNFs uh, completely? Yeah, so for the edge computing use case, that would be the preferred model. Uh, but then it again depends upon the uh, the operator how he wants to deploy the network functions. Uh, you know, if you you know the containers, you know they share the kernel space uh, of the bare metal machine, so that can pose security risks. Now, you know, if the system is uh, secure enough, then yes, you know you can uh, totally get rid of uh, the virtual machines and only work with uh, containers because they have much smaller form factor. Right, and that would be an advantage from an infrastructure perspective. We, you know, in a small environment managing and, and you know, allocating resources for, for network function, is probably less desirable. But at the same time, you don't want to have devices do it either. That's going to be unsustainable. So you're sort of stuck. You have, this is, and I, I think that it's always worth pulling back for a second. The reason why we need Virtualized network function in a lot of these cases is that we don't want to create we, we don't want to create or manage boxes for physical infrastructure just to provide firewall or routing or things like that. Right? What we're we're talking about is enabling multi-tenancy on these infrastructures and shrinking their size. So that that's important. Um, and then when when you you had mentioned of uh, something called NFVI for infrastructure, is that what people would consider the physical layer? For this, or is what is the what does the infrastructure mean from an NFV perspective? Um, so, from an NFV perspective, the infrastructure means you know the off-the-shelf hardware, uh, the virtualization layer, um, the container network functions or the virtual network functions, uh, the orchestration layer, and um, also the uh, virtual infrastructure manager like the Kubernetes orchestrator or OpenStack oh, wow. controller. Okay. So that's a that's basically all of the NFV com componentry that goes into it. It's not just the the sort of the physical pieces or the virtual pieces. It's it's the orchestrators included. It's the whole. Um, no, so if you just talk about NFVI, thing. then it's just the physical layer and uh, the, the the physical hardware and the virtualization layer. That's how I would put it. And and yeah, and then you have the uh, the. Uh, the virtualization manager that's that's the kubernetes orchestrator or openstack controller 
Yeah, just to add what Pawan is saying, uh, so NFV, I see a lot of these infrastructure players, they are making sure that the operators would, would make use of their hardware for putting, even making use of, making that as a, a bare metal or make, make use of their servers. They want to make sure that their infrastructure is ready for the next generation NFPI. So they are making sure that uh, they are putting in uh, OpenStack based clouds or they are putting in VMware based cloud like uh, vCloud directors and running data plane specific softwares like DPDK, SRIOV, making sure that their infrastructure is ready for next generation infrastructure capabilities. Once that is done, any VNF vendor can put in their VNFs as well as any CNF vendor can put in their CNFs on top of this infrastructure and make it ready for the 5G deployments. That makes a lot of sense. So you need you need that that basic componentry laid down. And so you were you were mentioning um, you know some of these basic technologies. And when I've talked to people in telco industry, it the Connecting, this isn't traditional IT networking, right? Connecting into uh, you know, a, a phone infrastructure is not, not the same as just plugging in an Ethernet cable to a switch. Um, and we'd, we'd want to talk about 5G a bit. Can you describe you know, how doing radio networking and cell networking interacts with this NFV yeah, construct okay. that we've been so, talking about? Um... In the modern wireless networks, uh, that's the 5G uh, networks, the radio components will have two pieces. One is the, the physical uh, component, that's the uh, remote radio head, uh, which is the cell that you would see. Um, and, and, and then the processing elements, which now would run in form of containers or virtual machines. So uh, the, the, the processing elements are now being virtualized and they would actually run uh, you know, in the NFE infrastructure as virtual network functions or container network functions. So you would need some type of, because of, I've heard terms, uh, what, VRAN or ORAN? I'm not as, I'm, I'm not as much a telco person. I'm not as clear on um, when somebody talks about setting up one of these gateways, how that's interacting with something, you know, a traditional containerized infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Actually, uh, the, the stuff like cloud RAN or uh, virtual RAN is uh, basically uh, the the virtualized processing um, elements of uh, the radio access network. Uh, so earlier, uh, these functions were part of the uh, the radio cell, but now you know the radio cell is actually simplified in design, and all the processing is going to run uh, on the edge node or in the core network um, in form of CNF or VNFs. Wow, okay, that's a really significant statement. And, and I think it's worth, you know, looking at a historical perspective and then, and then, and then coming back to this. So historically, what, what I'm gonna, you know, please confirm for me that, you know, we didn't decouple the, 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 radio, the radio access networks. They, those were physical, Devices, right, with physical connections from that perspective. So, so you were you were basically device bound, very decoupled from traditional IT. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes, that's correct. So, the design of uh, the radio uh, cells or radio towers is is now simplified. 
you know, um, or like I said, you know, the processing would be done on your regular off-the-shelf servers and not actually on the cell cell itself, radio cell. So, so that means is this going back to both four G and five G? So we're saying that the those radio networks basically are going to connect into traditional IT infrastructure. Um, and then you're going to use software to process the interconnect between the the radio networks and the the internet, you know, the traditional networks. Yes, yes, you're right. So more on the five G side because uh, the four G is already done. You know, so uh, I'm not sure if any uh, company is actually going to virtualize four uh, G radio access networks. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely in five G, that's what's going to happen. So that's really significant because what what you're saying here is that in because when I when we when I hear about the the five G hype, it's all about you know the bandwidth and the speed and the latency, which are, which are great, but those things you know those are physics problems. the The thing that you're describing here is a significant change in IT complexity by moving from physical to to software network function is is that a fair is is that part of what's going to go on with 5G absolutely you you're bang on target yeah. and maybe yeah in addition to that uh, we have this edge devices which are going to be uh, like closer to your cell towers or maybe even sitting beneath your cell towers where they'll be able to connect or basically receive information from the nearby devices and send it to the cell uh, cell tower for future processing. So having a device like a CP kind of device, which is a customer premise equipment or a, another cell tower kind of device, that will be that would be uh, processing most of the data that is coming from millions of devices, which could be like IoT devices, connected cars, or variety of all internet devices, and then provide it or send it over to the uh, cloud or the infrastructure for further processing. So that gives a uh, edge uh, which is uh, going to help the 5 gdr deployments which which means that it's going to be easier to patch and maintain uh, but that that also opens up new applications because you can do you can you can change the network topology in a 5g infrastructure um in ways that that we, we don't even think about doing now or you can segment it or you can create you know uh, i'm, I'm going to do are there applications that you see coming with this new software control that that are exciting to you or to your customers oh yeah um so basically um by uh, you know simplifying the um the processing you know um, in virtualized form you know uh, there are going to be many applications um, that are going to you know be developed so you know and uh, applications related to analytics uh, connected cars or healthcare, you know, you know, all of these are going to spring up in the near future, um, you know, just because of the flexibility that is offered by, uh, you know, running uh, virtualized uh, services. Yeah, in fact, that's where the SDN part comes into picture, where you can perform the slicing of the networks and have the programmability aspects as well as the serviceability aspects of the networks. So you can have a complete management defined by the SDN aspects and those will be able to control your networks and slice the networks, create logical component of the network 
and make it ready for variety of deployments where uh, customized services can be provided uh, to the subscribers. Wow. Okay. So these are these are significant advantages for the phone companies to come to five G. This the, right. I mean, there's a lot of of savings and and new features that the the telco providers the the radio providers can offer in that new model are they are are you seeing them starting to see see basically a, a, you know a drive to replace 4G with 5G just from that perspective no so that is not going to happen right away i think um, the they're going to work together the, the 4G and 5G deployments uh, would interoperate with each other so uh, there's not going to be a knee-jerk reaction, you know, so both would coexist. So what can people do um, to get, start getting ready for this type of transition, right? I mean, it's, they're not, we're not, we're not used to doing the, this type of networking so much. Are there places that are, that are low-hanging fruit that people can start looking at from a CNF perspective? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't call it a low-hanging fruit by any means. Uh, it's a complete mind shift. So uh, operators and service providers, uh, they are, uh, you know, thinking through this um, seriously. They really have to make uh, big changes. They um, have to make big investments to, you know, uh, provide support for 5G services. So, and, and to build this new kind of infrastructure where uh, services are virtualized. So uh, there's no uh, quick uh, adaption to this technology. You know, you have to plan for it and work through it. And it's going to take quite some time to get to a point of maturity. That makes sense to me. But the, the thing that, you know, we've been talking about edge infrastructure for a long time and, and you know, one of the things that, that people assume is that the edge is going to be multi-tenanted which is very hard to do right now without SDN and VNF capabilities. Um, but it sounds like you're saying that fundamentally the 5, 5G will enable multi-tenant capabilities because of the, 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 net, the way the networking is going to be enabled. Is that, a, is that yes, fair? Yes, yes. So uh, you're right, actually. So basically, the service providers now will be able to create new business models. <clears throat> So uh, they would provide a necessary infrastructure uh, to companies that want to offer automation services. I'm just giving an example. You know, let's say a home automation company uh, wants to, uh, you know, sell their devices. You know, to let's say, you know, control the lights and the air, the ACs in the house. So they don't have to worry about uh, the the virtualized infrastructure or how that's going to happen. It's the service provider who will uh, create that multi-tenant infrastructure uh, at the edge or at the core network and uh, allow these uh, enterprises to provide their services. Yeah, another example I can talk about it. Let's say uh, there is a game zone and it's fetching a lot of bandwidth and the what the service provider can do is it can just fork out or spawn a different VM to make sure that it, it is able to cater to the bandwidth requirements that are coming out of this and once the uh, he's, the service provider sees that there is no more requirements that is coming in, he can just turn out that VR virtual machine. So, so there is a scaling, scale up, scale down kind of aspects can be handled easily to provide the required services to the customers. 
so that gives a lot of flexibility uh, in terms of providing uh, the required services to the uh, to the subscribers that makes sense would you also be able to then if you had let's say a connected car be able to help transition the uh, uh, create smoother networking transitions from cell to cell from that perspective is that the, is that another type of application for this vnf infrastructure uh, so you mean that you know the information sharing of the cars would be much faster uh, because of you know the edge infrastructure is that your question I, no I, I guess i i think of you know with cell phones and car and calls right we evolved one of the things that made cell phones possible was this idea that we could hand off calls between towers right that's a big part of the the, the protocols networking traffic is you know pretty resilient but the idea you know i guess i'm thinking if i have a lot of bandwidth or a, a very high latency question and i'm switching between towers but there's going to be more 5g towers you know does it help me to be able to to leverage software defined networking to create a more consistent experience for that that environment is that the type of thing we're thinking about yet or is it still just send the bits no, so, and hope so they go. STN would actually help you manage the 5G networks. Um, it may not directly address the seamless experience, you know. So no. what you can do is maybe help define policies uh, in the network that can help the end user to have a better experience, but it's not direct, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's more about managing the networks that you would use SDN for. And is there a security component in this that people should be thinking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, so SDN uh, is actually used or can be used to program security in your network. So um, if, if you want to kind of uh, secure your edge networks, then, uh, you know, that SDN would certainly help. Yeah, it's all about programming the right content or right set of policies inside the data plane. And uh, SDN is fully capable of, capable of doing that. It can program the data plane uh, completely using policies and uh, uh, depending upon the flows that are configured, you can program policies for the flows and SDN completely has uh, all these things related mm -hmm. to policies at its, uh, at its uh, full content, basically, full capabilities, I should say. So it, that, may, uh, that makes sense. I mean, we're, we're, you know, I think in the cloud world, we're talking about, you know, virtual private networks and, and also there's all these constructs. The same. You're, you're saying basically the same constructs are going to exist for right. edge topologies. Um, okay. And and then does that mean that they also then connect uh, site to site? So I could create a a, a virtual private network. Um, and I, I'm, VPN is maybe not the right word because I don't think we're talking about traditional VPNs. I'm thinking more like um, uh, you know a, a cloud style VPC where I have my own multi-site um, network, you know, interconnect, is that, is that, is that going to be possible with this where I can actually say, you know, for my company, I've got, you know, a, a network connection that is, is only for my company and all of my edge resources oh, know that. In fact, see, there are different technologies to take care of site to site uh, communications, the new technologies like the software defined VANs, those take care of this, but the uh, traditional VPN okay. or virtual private network, they are going to stay. They'll be just riding their wave on top of the SD vans that are getting created. So the existing vans 
they are getting the software flavor to it. So that's the SD software defined vans we are having. While on top of that, the VPNs and so on, they will continue to stay. Yeah. Except a lot of the SD WAN text that I've I've seen is is really not particularly new in the sense that it it's got it still uses concentration points and you still have to to sort of tunnel traffic through aggregation sites is is that can can that go away because i mean the edge edge is not going to be to that tolerant of you know connecting back into a centralized site to communicate between two devices we're going to need to have point yes to point so site to site connectivity will be will be seamless with the sd van coming into picture and you can even uh, there are tools there are basically solutions yeah. from a variety of companies where uh, anything that is configured or even that is anything which is available at the central office can be provided or can be communicated to the remote office through that tunnel that is created. So, uh, so SD-WAN has the pro has I mean, provide this kind of uh, solutions and uh, it it improves the experience between various uh, environments or various uh, sites of the same enterprise. Wow. I, and I guess I've, so I'm, I'm looking back on my notes and I've, I've, I've covered just about all the topics that you've, you've gone yeah. through from this, this perspective, right? With network slicing and security and infrastructure. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the one thing, one other thing that you mentioned that I'm, I'm curious about just briefly is um, some of these open foundation projects, the OPNFE or ONAP. Um, we did a whole podcast on ONAP, so I, I'd encourage listeners to go back. Um, as I recall, my, my sound quality was horrible on that one, so I apologize. But um, the, it, you know, is there an update on where these these open source the foundations trying to organize? How's yeah, that, so how's um, that going? The um, adoption of these open source uh, softwares is taking place. Uh, but it's slow. Uh, people are still figuring out how to use them. Um, but then, you know, uh, you know, OPNFE, let me give an example of OPNFE is being, um, you know, used to validate your uh, network function, uh, infra NFE infrastructure. Uh, ONAP, which is a telco automation platform, um, is uh, being um, tried out internally by the companies before they can go for you know, live deployments. So uh, people are still experimenting with ONAP and uh, and they're trying to make it work actually. Um, uh, and, and, you know, so lately, you know, a Crino Edge uh, stack community has come up with blueprints for edge deployments. Um, now these blueprints, uh, this is the first release. So, um, you know, I believe they are not production ready blueprints, you know, uh, still some more work has to go in. But meanwhile, you know, people are going to try out these blueprints and actually experience how edge deployments uh, can take place. I, but those the Akrena's blueprints, it's not integrated stacks, it's not technology, it's not usable technology, it's, it's a wish list, it's shopping list as far as I've, I've been able to tell. Um, is that, I mean, that's, I guess, you know, I, I, you know, you said OpenStack and you added VMware, you know, it seems like there are commercial vendors coming into this space with, with real technologies. 
I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, we're watching, you know, Susan and I like to do podcasts on open source and, and what the evolution that's going on in open source. Um, you know, these, these things are moving really fast. How, how do we actually, you know, put some, put, put bits on metal and deliver solutions today? Is that, you know, are there bits and pieces that are, that no, are I would moving, say, you know, it's in that still direction? Uh, early. These are still early times, um, you know, to actually get into uh, real time deployments. Uh, it, it's, it has still has to attain a level of maturity, which would take a couple of more releases, um, definitely. So somebody has to make a push for that. You know, you know companies have to sign up uh, for these blueprints and then uh, they have to kind of request to make these blueprints very robust and uh, may, uh, make them work for uh, real life scenarios. So I think we are, we are some distance away from actually making uh, practical use of these blueprints. Uh, but then this is a good start. You know, people can experience edge deployments with the help of these blueprints. So guys, I'm gonna jump in here. And uh, Rob did a great job of hitting a lot of topics, and your answers were fantastic. I I, I really liked this. It was uh, it was deep, and uh, even I understood most of it. And I've been working in this space for a long time, so I feel uh, I feel good about that. I wanted to um, highlight something that CalSoft had put out that um, I don't know if it was from your group or near your group. But uh, I know I downloaded the book and read it. Uh, CalSoft has put out an, a cloud ebook called A Deep Dive on Kubernetes for Edge. Um, so I wanted to encourage our listeners to um, grab that book. Did, did uh, so the Sagar three of you work on, it, on that I think at all? connected to Sagar. Uh, he's the one who has written that ebook. Um, and he has taken inputs from us. Okay. Well, I encourage our listeners to go get it, go get the book. Um, in the podcast notes, when I post, I'll put a link to it. But if you search CalSoft uh, Kubernetes Edge ebook, uh, it came up right away. And uh, I appreciate the three of you uh, joining us today. Uh, great discussion. If anyone wanted to find out more about uh, CalSoft or anything, uh, where should they go? So uh, for us, uh, if somebody has any question, then marketing at red calsoftinc.com, they can connect to that. And uh, also, they can comment on the ebook that we have published on our website. Great. Well, thank you guys, Rob. A another great podcast. And um, I know it's late for you guys at night. And so I appreciate you uh, joining and uh, helping us with this podcast. And to our listeners, hopefully you found this useful. Back into a little bit of the telco world, which is a networking, which is really good. And I like the reality aspect of all this, Rob, is sometimes... We think all this stuff we see at events and read about is all happening. And I think people are still learning. So this is a good podcast to remind us of that. I, I appreciate that we actually really dug into some of the roadblocks. We, we, we love to talk about Edge as this, you know, beautiful world we're just going to wake up for next week, you know, on, on January 1st, 2020, and it's going to be there. And there are significant work and we did it, you know, Gentlemen, I appreciate your, your time and helping us decompose that into something that's actually really tangible. Thank you.